Well, good morning, everyone. It is wonderful to be here with all of you. Um, it's definitely a special day. Um, and it's a special day because, you know, for those of us who are fathers, I, I like to look at some of the special calendar type days in our lives as those moments to pause and reflect and give God the glory for what he's done. Um, I mean, for many of you fathers, if you look back and you think back to the past few years, if you think back to 20, 30 years ago, depending on how old your kids are, um, I'm sure that many of you can look back and see road marks of growth in your own life as a father, um, as a parent, as a husband. Um, and, and it's just such a blessing, in my opinion, to look back and reflect because those are those little things about our testimonies of walking with the Lord that our relationship with him is dynamic. God is stirring in us and he is growing us and he is maturing us. So these are those days that we can pause, sit, reflect, and celebrate. Um, you know, the journey of fathering, uh, I mean, many of you have, have lived many years. I mean, my, my dad's here, so he's, he's seen me through many phases. Um, I'll put it that way. Um, and when I think about those phases, I, I do have to say it sort of stirs up in me thanksgiving to God because I, I look at how my children are, how my son and is, and I'm, I'm thankful at some of the things I hear now in life that I was when I was a youth. It, it's not transferring past me. So thank God that that's the case. Um, I'm sure my parents' gray hair is a result of my teenage years. But, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, whenever you think about the experience of fatherhood, or even, you know, for mothers, being a parent, there's something really special and unique when we lay eyes on our child for the first time, right? I mean, the baby's born, or, you know, in many cases nowadays, we have blended families, so you take on another child. You know, regardless, parenting is the same. So um, just a little quick story. I once worked with somebody who, um, I like to call this stupid worldly wisdom. Um, and, I, and, and I'll explain why I say that in a moment. You'll probably pick up on why. Um, but early on, early on, I had somebody, a coworker who once told me, they said, you know, Jeff, you'll never love a child that's not fully your own as your own child. And I heard that and I thought, that's really stupid. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's, okay. There's, it's okay. There's sometimes things that we look and we go, that's, that's really stupid. And the reason why is that this was somebody speaking from a worldview, a worldview of brokenness, a worldview of non, a non-redemptive worldview that didn't realize that our God purposes redemption, that our God purposes adoption, that we all get to be sons and daughters. And I say that because it was, it was such a, this, this man unfortunately was so convinced and, and it came through in his conversation about his family. Um, yet the cool thing is that that was, that was a worldview. That, that's not what we get to walk in. It's not what we get to experience. There are no secondhand children in the kingdom of God, right? We all when we accept Christ, we all enter into the kingdom as sons and daughters, which is such a great promise. So I say that because we all have that capability because of our Heavenly Father. We all have that ability to find kids around us. So there's a bunch of kids downstairs. Regardless of if you're their biological parent or whatnot, guess what? You can actually function in a spiritual capacity as building and loving on and being like a father or a parent to other kids. Um, we had the opportunity a few years ago uh, as part of, a, part of our ministry school at our church, we were a part of, of, of getting to have a young man uh, 
basically become part of our family. And it's sort of a, you know, I don't know how many of you, how you feel if someone just, you know, says something that you're like, well, no, that's not, that's not really truly, you know. So there's one time when he just, you know, he would say to me, he's like, Papa. And it was a little weird, to be honest. It was a little awkward to me because I'm like, I, well, I'm not really, we definitely don't look alike. I'm, I don't have anywhere close to the muscle structure of you, and I couldn't have passed that on to you. Um, but there's something very honoring when we actually get to bring in other kids, when we get to bring in youth, um, because we, you know, if you look around, there, there is a, there's a lack of, of fatherhood. There's a lack of, there, there's a lack of adoption in our society. Um, and it's that lack of adoption of calling and bringing others into the kingdom and walking alongside them. You know, sometimes it's easier just to, to say what we think about a situation compared to coming alongside someone, a youth who's struggling or a youth who really needs just a little bit of extra time and walking something through with them. So um, this morning, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that, even how we view our children, our love of a biological versus a non-biological child, um, a lot of that ties to um, one simple word, and that word is choice, right? We choose as believers, God gave us free will. And one of the cool things about that is that we get to make choices, and we actually get to live with our choices we make. Um, so when we think about Father's Day, a lot of it you know, there's, there's sayings out there of, you know, uh, you know just because you had a child doesn't make you a father. Um, and I really truly believe that, especially in our society today, that we all get to make that choice to be parents for our kids, that as fathers, we get to choose to be a father. Because many of us, we could choose to sit off to the side, you know, and just detach. We could, we could completely just check out for the day but we can make those choices also of pressing in and being that blessing, being that conduit of generational blessing for our family. So where does this all, you know, what does this really all, all tie into, you know, the idea of choice? Um, for me, one of the, I feel like one of the most stirring aspects of my walk with the Lord, one of the things that I feel like really took me from, I'm going to church, I'm learning the word, um, I love Jesus, he saved me, was that revelation of that understanding of who I am in Christ. So, you know, a lot of times we encounter topics, you know, we're saved, we're going to heaven. Um, and within the Bible, the Lord uses a lot of different explanations to, to explain the kingdom. So, you know, a lot of times God uses, you know, when, when Jesus spoke, he spoke in parables. He took things that we saw in the natural and he pointed them to spiritual principles. It wasn't that the natural things influenced the spiritual, but the spiritual principles could be revealed by what was seen in nature. Um, when we look at Romans 1.20, you know, Paul writes that, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So in God's infinite wisdom, he created everything, and he created it where it actually displays principles. It displays things about him, and it reveals him to each and every one of us. So when we go back to the idea of choice, and in parenthood, and in fatherhood, um, there's so much that God reveals about himself. Um, so if you would all turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read through the first few verses there.
All right, so Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you get that? Verse 4, for he, referring to God, he chose us. Can you just, can we pause there for a second? Can you all just say, I am chosen. I am chosen. Each and every one of us, when we say yes to the Lord, it, it points out we were chosen. And how many of us, you know, we were chosen, let, let me ask you, were you chosen when you were perfect and holy and righteous? No, no, we were chosen when we had come inside after rolling around in the dirt, after rolling around in a pig pen, because um, pigs are pretty messy for anyone who knows, they, they don't care where they leave themselves. Um, you know, just filthy, gunky, and dirty. That was the condition in which God found us, and he chose us. Just that redemptive quality is, is just so, so amazing. Picking back up at five, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, or yeah, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Such a powerful verse there. If you look at it and you read it over and over, there's, there's so much about how God sees us, how we see him and what he's done, and even looping in, you know, really what it is, the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, today with, um, you know, there's so much in there. There really is, we could probably, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know how many of you have, you've started getting into a biblical passage and then God starts bringing other things to mind and all the scriptures start connecting at a certain point in time. It's sort of like Alice in Wonderland where it's like further and further down the rabbit hole. Um, I feel that way when I start looking at scripture. It's when you start reading and, and the Lord just starts speaking to you through his word and, and Holy Spirit illuminates things. It's just, you can sort of go on all over the place. And so um, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to limit our scope, you know, not to, we're not going to cover um, Genesis through Revelation in a, in a short 20, 30 minute window. Um, but the one facet I really want to, I want to point out for today um, as we celebrate Father's Day, um, it's in verse five, which is 
calling about our adoption to sonship. Um, I believe that the Lord is very intentional in how he words his passages. Um, the inspiration that was given to Paul to write this down um, through the Holy Spirit was not coincidental. It wasn't, um, it wasn't convenient at times um, because there's a lot of things that, that get revealed to us that when we look at and when we read the word, and I've, I've heard it phrased sometimes that sometimes it's letting the word read you. Um, and allowing the Lord to use his word to highlight and reveal, um, because really, he's a good father. And a good father, when they see something, is going to help point it out and help give teaching, help give correction, and help give leading. So in verse 5, we get the idea, and we get that understanding where it's quite explicit that we are, we're chosen, and we are adopted by God the Father. Right, so this whole idea of adoption, um, I don't know if anyone here has ever had family members go through the process of adoption, um, but in our American society, it's, it's a pretty long process. We, uh, we have some family who recently just adopted a young little man uh, that they had been fostering for a while, and it was a process of probably two years. Um, but you know, there's the legal process, there's filings, there's court hearings, there's all the rulings. Um, it's quite an ordeal. And you know what? It's quite an intentional process to walk that out. Um, we've had other friends who've adopted from children from overseas, um, from cross country, all of that. And that's the one thing that's in common is there's a very clear purpose and focus behind that action that's going on. So when a family says we want to adopt, they're committed to it. And they're committed to that child that they see, or they may not have, they may have just seen photos of them that is going to be their child regardless of background regardless of history regardless of potential medical or biological background they don't care because that is going to be their child that's a lot of how god looks at us and brings us into his family so um, adoption it, it's interesting because in in the hebrew uh in the um jewish culture there wasn't really in the old testament there wasn't a whole lot to do with um there wasn't a ton of references about adoption. Um, so, you know, you had instances of Moses when he was a baby, he was put in a basket and sent down the river and got picked up and adopted into, um, into the, the household of the Pharaoh. Um, but there wasn't really a lot of, the, the culture of the, uh, the Jewish people was that if a parent passed away, you know, basically your kid's your kid, first of all. Um, and if a parent passed away, like then typically the brother would end up taking over and uh, leading that family. So. Once we get, you know, speed up some years in the Roman culture that's prevailing at the time, and of course, when this was written, when Ephesians was written, the Romans were in control of pretty much the whole known world. Um, and so a lot, of, a lot of when Paul is writing, it, it's very focused on the culture at hand. So if he was talking about something like adoption, the people that are hearing it are going to understand because they would have seen it playing out in culture. And so... One of the interesting facets about adoption and even parenting in Roman culture was um, the idea that just because you had a child doesn't mean that you're recognizing and receiving them. So you could give away your child if you wanted to. Um, so it's an interesting thought that, you know, hey, we just had a baby. We're going to go put them somewhere. Um, definitely not what, you know, in our, our mindsets is something that's normal. Um, but the flip side of that is that the families had... You know, you think about it, the families had a choice. So if you're born into a Roman family, naturally, and you're a biological child, 
you being kept around the house was that you were chosen and you were accepted. Um, and there's also the idea within Roman culture of adoption. So, you know, with adoption, um, what this does, it, you know, similar to in our culture, it makes that child a permanent part of the family. So think about that for a moment. What that means spiritually to us is that adoption, when we accept Christ, we are adopted into the family of God, which means we're all family as brothers and sisters, right? We are all family. We have brothers and sisters at other churches too. They have accepted Christ. They've been adopted into the family of God. So here's the cool thing, right? You know, the cool thing is that there's implications to adoption. It's not just, hey, I got a new name. You know, I feel like names are, you know, names are one of those things they, they just, they mean a lot, but sometimes, depending, they don't mean a lot for some others. So what we end up getting, you know, a name is typically very symbolic of our identity, right? So if we say, I'm a Christian, that should reflect something, right? That reflects something, because it should be saying that I follow Jesus. You know, I, I want to say what it translates to little Christians, our little Christ, so we're, we're like a little Christ. We want to be like Jesus. That's, that's who we should be reflecting. So our identity when we're adopted by Christ is that we're called to reflect the kingdom. We're called to reflect our Heavenly Father. Some other implications of adoption from the legal uh, Roman standpoint is that um, pasts are erased. So that life prior to being adopted, it's gone. And isn't that so beautifully similar to when we accept Christ, our past, those sins are erased. We know that one day when we stand before Jesus, and, you know, we will, we know that because of what Christ did on the cross, that that sin, that past of sin that we will have experienced in our lifetimes is wiped away. Now, part of that, too, is, right, so the past is gone, but now that means we have new rights and responsibilities as believers, right? Part of being brought into a household is that, you know, say if I used to only have to pick up, take the trash out once a week. Well, now suddenly there might be, I have to go pick up the yard from the dog. I have to do all sorts of additional things. Um, so there's new rights and responsibilities. And so that, I mean, I'm sort of under-spiritualizing that. But, you know, as believers, what's, what's our rights? And we have so many rights through Christ. But what are our responsibilities? You know, I think back to when Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, there, the implications of us loving God first and loving, you know, there, there's not many qualifiers that Jesus gives. We are to love those that are around us because that's representative of our Heavenly Father. And it's representative of Jesus. It's representative of our family. Now, part of it, one thing that um, I think is so beautiful and wonderful when we think about adoption, and it was even part of um, the Roman culture, is that adoption itself, it's not just, you know, the implications are for in our lifetime. They're not for when a family member passes away that there's this great intake. Um, you know, I think back to, or I'm sorry, and, and this isn't the concept of like inheritance. So if you're brought into a family, your inheritance isn't something that you have to wait until, you know, the, the head of the household is gone. It's, it's part of your, it's part of what you receive then and there. Um, so I think back to, you know, many of you are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, right? 
So he was living in his father's household, and he said, hey, can I have what's mine? You know, I'm paraphrasing really loosely. Um, and he, the father actually gave him his inheritance when the father was still there. In my mind, I sometimes look at that and I go, I just, I don't get that. Like, how, like, if I gave my son half of what I own right now, I wouldn't have a house anymore. And, you know, I, uh, there's so many things that would be different, but um, culturally it was something that occurred. And so, you know, there's an importance in that, that our inheritance isn't just, it isn't down the road, there's aspects of it now. Um, and finally, you know, the, one of the implications of adoption was that uh, being a joint sharer in all possessions um, and fully united to the Father. Um, to me, that's such a powerful picture as well because, um, you know, it, I, I, it's amazing that the Lord would choose to have us partner with him, to share in the work of his kingdom. Um, I mean, many of us, we know, we know our weaknesses, we know our strengths, but to know that the Lord knows that, and he still calls us, and he still, he, we, we get to joint share in this work with him. It's not just a, he's like, hey, sit down. It's a, I want to bring you alongside. I know your weaknesses. I know your failures, but you are my child, and we're going somewhere together. Um, so there's such a beauty to that. So another facet of um, adoption was that there typically was an exchange of money, and in Ephesians 1, we really see, you know, Paul once again reminds us that Jesus' work on the cross, that was that payment. You know, it wasn't just a, wasn't just a one-time thing for the sake of giving us a great holiday, and, and, and it wasn't salvation just for the sake of one day when we pass from this life and go to heaven. It, it's not about that. It's so much more than just a, at the end of life, we go and experience God. It was for a here and now, you are my children, and you are adopted in. And so it's, you know, it's an immediate thing, right? So sonship, um, it, it's a, when we accept Christ, it, it occurs right away. Now, we also understand that, um, you know, according to Romans 8.23, we're not fully there yet, right? So we have, we have a little bit. And even at the end in Ephesians 1.14, it talks about the Holy Spirit's that seal. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's the seal. Now, of course, he's so much more than that, right? Jesus said he's our helper, and he will lead us into all truth. Um, but from the concept of adoption, we look at the Holy Spirit as reminding us that there's, this is a little bit right now. So, you know, on this side of heaven, this is, we get to experience sonship, but it's not the fullness of it until we're in heaven. Um, but the amount that we have access to now is so wonderful. You know, it's so great. Um, so actually, Romans 8.23 says, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And really, it's, it's going to be that point when we get to heaven and we, you know, this, this flesh is gone, we have a, a redeemed, um, a resurrected body. Um, that's when we're fully going to experience 100% of sonship. That's, that's where we get into the cool stuff of, you know, ruling and reigning with Christ. You know, it, it's such a beautiful picture. We see um, Revelation shares insight of what, um, that really we are purposed to co-rule with Christ. So, from the standpoint of, in Ephesians, when it talks about we're adopted to sonship, um, so what, you know, there's certain results to it. So 
um, when we look at things from a theological standpoint, there's, there's four key things that this adoption really means. Um, so the first one is we receive the witness of the Holy Spirit. So Galatians 4, 5 through 6 says, um, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So when we, when we take hold of that fact of our sonship in Christ, that's one of the things is that, you know, Holy Spirit actually enables us to be able to look, um, as, uh, as Pastor Lilia was saying earlier with the Lord's Prayer, our Father. You know, it, it's through Holy Spirit that we can really utter that. You know, and we can recognize and understand and know God as our Father. And we can also cry out to Him with that familiarity of Daddy. You know, it's something that, you know, for all of us as fathers, we, there's something about when your child calls you Dad or Daddy. There's something so just, it's probably one of the sweetest things, that recognition of your child, not just looking at you from the formal standpoint. You know, I, I don't know how many of you, if your children have a nice sense of humor, they'll look at you and go, Father. It sounds so formal, right? When, like, Father. And they, you know, they, they get this prim and proper Father. Um, as opposed to, you know, if, if a child runs up and he's like, Dad, or hey, Daddy. There's such a difference, you know? Um, and so we get that ability where we can know our Father and have that intimate relationship with Him. Also through sonship, we have divine acceptance. Romans 8, uh, 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Um, you know, once again, <laughs> there's that reiteration of our ability to cry, Abba, Father. This, this is actually one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 15. The idea that when we receive the Lord, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're not slaves anymore. You know, so many times it's easy to walk about in life and, and not even realize that. So, you know, this was, um, it was an interesting week. I, I like reading and watching news articles, and I get bombarded with them at work of what's going on, but I found it really, really fascinating this week that um, the federal government recognized the holiday officially now of June 19th. So it was one, you know, growing up history, I had never heard of it before, so my, my work puts out a lot of publications, and, and what I found fascinating about it as I was preparing for this morning is that you know, June 19th recognizes that it was the day where the last set of slaves in America received the news that they were no longer slaves. And, and it really hit me, right? So in 1863, Emancipation Proclamation, that's where the U.S. government declared that there's freedom for slaves. Um, but yet, so it was, it was something that was accessible. The Union Army would go and hand out these pamphlets to educate slaves that they were gonna be free. Um, yet it wasn't until 1865 that the fulfillment that every single slave had heard that they were free. And it really hit me, right? Because I feel like as believers, we, we can sit in a, in a chair, we can sit and listen to so many messages, um, but sometimes we can, we can forget that 
as part of, you know, we forget what the Lord brings about in our lives. We forget that we are free in Christ. We forget that we're sons and daughters of the Most High. Um, and sometimes we, we need the Lord to redeclare that, or as a community of believers, we, we need one another to encourage and remind us of that, because, you know, a fact can exist, but unfortunately in our hearts, sometimes we, we can disconnect from the truth. Or there's others who may have grown up in church their whole lives and never had that, that really, that heart connect moment. I, I want to say it was Charles Wesley that once talked about, um, so Charles Wesley was the founder of Methodism, but he had once talked about a part where there's this, um, I want to say he was hanging out with Moravians, and, and it was afterwards that he really felt this heart warming. So this was a man who knew the Lord um, and didn't really have that full revelation and heart warming of what it was like to experience the love of God. So part of our ability as sons and daughters and God's children is that we actually get to walk in freedom, that it's not just a story in the Bible, that we get to walk in the freedom that God's given us, that we don't have to be slaves or we don't have to be bonded to the things that our world's bonded to. Um, you know, I think that last year, you know, it, so we all got to experience a range of feelings, emotions, um, you know, across the nation. We know that fear really just presented itself. Um, yet, would, you know, when we're in those situations, we don't have to live according to what the world does because we're free from that. We're not slaves to the thoughts and, and minds of the world. We are born into a family of God. And part of that is that our inheritance is not an inheritance of fear. It's not an inheritance of poverty. It's not an inheritance of weakness. It's not an inheritance of failure. You know, so those are things the Lord's given us so much through his spirit. So we're made joint co-heirs with Christ. You know, Romans 8.15, um, I just read it. Um, you know, so much, so much of how we view um, where we are. It, it's so much tied to that receipt of Holy Spirit. Um, and then finally, um, one of the, the fourth aspect of uh, results of sonship is that, and this is where I go into the word, it, it's, so, it's so unique to me that Paul used just the term sonship. Because um, from a theological standpoint, we look at that reality that men and women, you know, in Galatians 3, 26 through 28, um, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's something to me that's very fascinating when we look at the concept of biblical sonship um, and then how we are in Christ. When we are united in Christ, those things don't make a difference. You know, this passage in Galatians, it's, it's one of those points, I, I believe that when it was written, one of the focuses is, you know, each and every one of us, we were made in the image of God. God created us, right? God gave us life. God gave us breath. And when we realign under Christ, when we realign under his family, God is the one through Christ who brings unity and brings consistency to this whole mess that in and of ourselves humans create. Um, and it, it's such a beautiful picture of God giving each and every one of us the same level 
of adoption, right? There's not, there's not a second-class adoption in the kingdom, right? There's, there's one type of adoption, and it's sonship. Um, and those are things that they're so powerful for us because you don't have to, I feel in our walk and our relationship with the, with the Lord, what it means is that, you know, I might be speaking here on a mic, but guess what? Your level of adoption, it's the same level. You have access to the same things. God hasn't confined his spirit. He hasn't confined his teaching, his wisdom, his revelation. It's not confined to a stage team. It's something that each and every one of us can choose to step into. Each and every one of us can choose to walk in the Lord, to minister in the Lord, and to really be reflective of his kingdom in every sphere of influence that we walk in. So whether that's on our job, uh, whether that's in traffic, which to me is the most challenging time, even when traffic is five extra cars on a little country road. Um, you know, regardless of what it is, we all have that opportunity to share Christ and to share and represent his kingdom where we're placed. All right, so, you know, bringing us all back in, so, you know, we are, we're adopted uh, into God's family, and so, you know, there's those implications of what that means, and there's also that, that reality of what is it, you know, what does it look like when we live in sonship, right? So, you know, one of the verses, for those of you who've been out to, to uh, Wednesday night Bible studies, you know, we're reading systematically through um, with the reading plan. And so a few, few months ago, we were in John, but, you know, there's in John 15, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to summarize, but Jesus is talking about abiding. He's telling us as believers that we need to abide. So we need to remain in the vine. In the context, Jesus is referring to himself. Um, and Jesus also likes to reflect um, in John that if you've seen him, then you've seen the Father. And those principles are the same, that when we abide, when we're abiding in Jesus, he says, I, I abide in my Father. So when we abide in Jesus, we're abiding in the Father. So we also, um, you know, a lot of this, when, we, when we're abiding, one of the key things that we're doing at that point is we're reflecting the Father, right? Because if we are part of the vine and we're producing the fruit, that's that vine, that vine is meant to produce that fruit, right? So when we're producing that fruit being connected, we're representing our Father's kingdom. So Galatians 5, 23, this is where um, I feel like this, if we're wanting to say, you know, hey, how am I reflecting the Father? How am I reflecting this household I'm a part of? Um, really, we can't get any better than Galatians 5, 22 through 23, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Um, because he's given us, he's given us a spirit, right? So when we have Holy Spirit, we should be producing fruit that's consistent. Sorry, I gotta, I just got myself lost here for a second. All right, Galatians 5.22. So, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if we're ever wondering, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of not being the best at self-reflecting. Um, I'm reminded when I start writing a sermon and, the, and I'm at that moment where I'm really quiet and listening for what the Lord wants to say. And I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, this is one of those passages when we look at in 522, you know, what does the kingdom look like, right? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is that deposit. And he reveals and shows what the kingdom looks like. And so he reveals that there's love, that there's joy, that there's peace, that there's forbearance or patience, that there's kindness, there's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, those are those things that when we are reflecting the kingdom, right, when we're reflecting our family, when we're reflecting our Father God, those are those things that we get to reflect. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to reflect the Lord, right? Because like out of those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I mean, how many of us, if someone was like, hey, in this situation, you really messed up, but I'm going to show you gentleness. I'm going to show you love. I mean, how many of us are really going to be upset about that, right? You know, how many of us, um, when, when grace shows up on the scene, how many of us are going to be accept- or frustrated when we're the recipient of it, right? There's a lot of times that we're not you know, we accept it because it's something that's so wonderful to experience love or joy or peace or patience. Um, and so that's one of those things that as, as believers and being in the family of God, those are those fruits that when we're rooted and grounded in the Lord, those are the things that we get to give to others, right? Because we're part of a good kingdom. We're part of a good family, right? I know that not everyone's families, you know, I know that in the natural, not all of our families are um, reflective of all those things. You know, I know for some of us, you know, I think back two generations, and, you know, it's funny getting older because I hear, I hear a little more stories of things that I didn't know when I was a kid. Maybe I was aware and I just tuned it out. But, you know, it, it's fascinating when you look back a few generations and you see that story that God's been able to weave when his spirit, when his kingdom, when his sonship transitions into a family line, right? When his sonship is not in a family line, there's brokenness there's hurtfulness, there's lack of forgiveness. But when someone in the household, when someone in that family says, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to walk with the Lord, there's a redemption that gets ushered in there, right? There, and it gets, you know, going back to the, the generations to generations, that person is the one who, the first person to accept Christ in their family line, they get to perpetuate and they actually get to, in a sense, birth the kingdom for their family line. Um, and it actually brings and opens up that freedom. So, you know, I know for myself, realistically, if, if my family didn't make certain decisions in life, I probably wouldn't be here, right? You know, let's, if we, you know, and for those of you who are first generation in your family, uh, to accept the Lord, awesome. Keep it up. Keep blessing your family. Keep modeling the kingdom for them. And keep modeling restoration. Because, right, because restoration is something that, depending on how broken something is, you know, there's, there's all those car fix-up shows, and you see, see things rusted out, and, it, you know, it's a lot of work, right? Um, we all have families of origin. We all come from natural family lines, and we all get to inherit stuff from our family. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Um, but regardless of what we receive from the natural, God is more than capable to restore things 
through the supernatural of him and his spirit. Um, and so then we get to reflect that fruit. We get to be that blessing. You know, if we had a, a parent that was not a blessing to others, guess what? When we accept Christ, or even if we've already accepted Christ, we get to, with the Lord's strength and his help, restore and mend that. We get to, if we ever find deficiencies in our lives, we know we can bring them to our Heavenly Father, and we know that he will strengthen us and grow us so that we can produce fruit in areas where we see it lacking. All right, so one of the keys, of course, is that we need to, you know, part of being part of the family of God is that we want to, we're given the Holy Spirit, right? So there's always that, that challenge, right? We can live, you know, even Galatians refers to living by the flesh versus the spirit. Um, you know, and living by the spirit can always be so much more than just, um, and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm not doing, you know, it's good when we turn from, from uh, evil things. But we also actually get to pause and listen for where the Lord's leading, right? For where the Spirit's leading. Because um, in our natural, we in and of ourselves are very limited in what we see around us. We, we tend to be, um, if anyone's like me, you can tend to just sort of lock into a mode and just go. And that anything to the right or to the left, you don't notice it at all. <laughs> so in the natural, it's easy just to continue to, to keep working on something while, you know, there might be a flare-up or a disagreement going on where I should actually be a peacemaker. So as believers, we, um, it's that challenge and that call that we can walk according to the Spirit, that we can basically train our hearts and train our minds to pause our own natural response of, I'm just, I'm just doing this. I'm task-oriented. I'm task-oriented. And we can pause and be quiet, even in the midst of activity, and just simply ask the Lord and be like, Lord, what are you, what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing? Where, where are you leading? Um, you know, just, just the other night we had Brennan's Boy Scout troop over. And so it's an awesome troop. Um, you know, so scouts originally, uh, and they still, they have a faith-based component. Um, there's things that have changed. There's things that, um, that definitely have changed over the years in their structure, uh, but they still have that faith base. So we had about three other families over, and it was one of those interesting moments, right, that you're like, okay, you know, my family, we always pray. We always give thanks because we're thankful for what the Lord's provided us, you know. We're thankful for um, every little thing. And for a moment, I was sitting there. I was downstairs getting some stuff organized, and I'm like, why is, like, my natural at this moment thinking there's all these people? I don't want to be offensive, right? My natural was like, I don't want to upset and stir the cart. Um, part of it was that my boss is actually there as well. Um, and so it was that, just sort of that uniqueness of, okay, I know how work is and this and that, but I just, I kept feeling that prompting. I kept feeling that prompting of, this is your house. This is, this is something God's given me. Why was there any wiggle room of like, I mean, I could call it fear, you know, potentially there's a little bit of that. Um, there's a little bit of the, just the natural of I'm really hungry and I want to eat. And if I pray, it's going to take five seconds, you know, really pathetic, right? But that's, that's where I was. Um, but, you know, I chose to, I was like, no, you know what? This is, this is an important thing. This is a moment to give thanks and give glory to God because, right, I mean, I can sit up here and I can lead worship or I can teach, 
but if when I get outside these walls, when I get home, if my life is drastically different than what I teach or what I model up here, then there's something out of line. And so yielding to Holy Spirit really gently be like, hey, yeah, let's, let's do our regular routine. And so um, I thought it was wonderful. There's sort of that, I mean, in ways to me when I was praying, it felt a little awkward because I'm like, I kick it off with our father. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what people are going to think about this. There's a different mix of things. But it was awesome because I know and I trust you know, the one thing is when we, when we feel the Spirit leading us and guiding us to things, I'm um, going back to about the, the youth at camp. We may not see that fruit right away, right? We may not see the fruit of what we've said, of what we've done, of what we've invested. It may be a little while down the road, but know that when God has placed us to do something, um, there's going to be that fruit that's produced by our obedience to Him. So re regardless of how awkward it feels, regardless of... Um, of the cost. If we feel the Spirit prompting us, we get to fall, we get to flow with that. And that's really, um, you know, I, I look at that as a, one of those new rights and responsibilities, right? So our right is that we can, we can learn what the Lord's wanting to do. We can talk with Him. We can hear. He shares because we're part of His family, right? We have access to that. But the responsibility is also that we get to walk that out, right? We get to walk out His kingdom and sharing his goodness and his uh, fruit with those around us. All right, so last but not least, um, you know, there's, there's that aspect of his sonship. You know, in Ephesians, I'm not going to dig too deep in the first part, but it talks about every spiritual blessing, um, that that's something we have, that uh, in heaven, every spiritual blessing we have. But as members of his household, going back to that idea of inheritance is even for now, it's not just later down the road, um, we also have blessings attached to our, our sonship, right? We have things that we have access to because of the Lord. So whether that is, you know, in, in Matthew 6, when Jesus is talking about don't worry about this or that, you know, first of all, aren't we glad that Jesus is so kind and that he shares the truth, right? Because he says, don't worry about tomorrow, because today there's plenty of worries, right? I mean, he's not like, hey, no, you don't ever have to worry about anything. But Jesus is so good and teaches us and tells us those things. And he even goes on, of course, to, you know, don't worry about these little things. You know, don't worry about the clothes that you're wearing. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Because if you look at what's in nature, are these things not taken care of, right? So we have that blessing that when we're in the Father's household, we know and we should always call that to mind and know that his provision will be there. You know, if there's something that we need, the Lord will provide, you know. And sometimes it's a matter of, to be honest, there's times where I look and I'm like, Lord, I needed this, I needed that. Um, we also have to be acknowledging that sometimes what we think we need in our natural isn't, isn't what we needed, right? Um, so sometimes there's points where um, we have to always, we just have to be constantly going to the Father and stirring up that relationship. So uh, one of the things when I was thinking about this concept of blessing, you know, Galatians 3.29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Um, you know, I can't think back to many more like amazing promises and blessings um, than what was given to Abraham, right? Um, actually, technically what God said to Adam and Eve about uh, ultimately the, the prophetic about the serpent's head being crushed. 
okay, that's, that's the best one. We, <laughs> but, um, you know, so, but from the standpoint of blessing, when we look at what God said to Abraham, or Abram, because he was called Abraham after, um, he said, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Right? So when we talk about generation to generation, you know, one of the blessings of being in the father's household, we actually get to bless others, right? It's not all about how much can I gather in my life for myself. It's a, how can I bless those around me? So, you know, Pastor Ty's been teaching about our value of um, giving generously, right? That's an aspect of us being children of God, is that we're not hoarders, like those TV shows where you know, you go into this house, you can't even find the stairs, right? We're not called to hoard things for the kingdom, right? We're called to use what we have and to give and to bless those around us, right? So it's part of our inheritance. And another aspect, so this was something that um, I love it when I've, I've read quite a few times, you know, so after several years of Bible college, you realize how much you've read the Bible. Um, and when I was, I was writing this down, I, you know, this is in chapter, in chapter 12 is where God declares those things and, and shares them and invites Abram into it. But the thing that was so fascinating to me right before that in Genesis eleven thirty one, so right before this calling and this blessing that God wants to release on Abram, um, it says Abram's family, um, I'm sorry, I'm not reading, I'm reading my paraphrase. <laughs> so Genesis 1, or eleven thirty one. One of the things that stood out to me, and you can, if you want to read it a little bit later on, um, I'd encourage you to. It's fascinating to me because Abram, when his father was alive still, they were originally going to be traveling all the way to Canaan. So what's significant about that? Well, what's significant about that is they stopped halfway through. And when God called Abram to move out from his father's household, he was actually calling Abram to go right to that place where his family originally was going to be going. And when I was reading that, it really hit me because I think um, one of the things from the standpoint of, I feel like this is really a spiritual principle and we see it played out in families. I truly believe that number one, God is a God of restoration, right? Part of the blessing of being in his family is that he restores, he builds things back and he brings things back to life even if we thought they were dead. And so as I was reading that, it really hit me because um, for many of us, we may have things in our families um, that perhaps our parents may have thought would have, would have never come to fruition. Um, so in this case, Abram's father was going to be going out to Canaan originally, yet his son is the one who stepped into that and ended up being called out to that place. Um, and the picture I got out of that was that God restores things in our families, right? God doesn't just speak in a bubble. He speaks in relationship and he speaks in family. And that there's things that, you know, I, I sometimes look at my own life and I'm like, oh, Lord, these are things I didn't see happen in my own life. And now I know based on my age, I don't necessarily think they're going to be there. But I can look and I can trust that if the Lord had put something in my heart and it's something that in my lifetime I was not going to be able to do, I can trust that in my family, whether it's my, my natural family or, um, you know, spiritual family and those that we've invested into, that God can restore those calls and he can release them in the next generation. Because um, God is such a redemptive, such a restorative God. All right, and so, you know, when we get to the end of this, you know, so we, 
God's adopted us to sonship, right? We get to reflect that. And one of the final, really a key that ties us all together is just that reminder of even the wording family. There's such a relational aspect to our walk with the Lord, right? It's a, it's not just a God is distant. He's sitting on the sideline reading a newspaper. No, God is active. He's given us a spirit. He reveals truth to us and he teaches us all truth. So just as God chose to bring us into his family, you know, each and every one of us, every single day, we have that choice of where are we setting our hearts? Where are we setting our affections? Where are we setting our time? So I just want to encourage each and every one of you as we go out, as we go and experience Father's Day, um, keep this in mind, right? Keep this in mind tomorrow when you wake up. You are adopted as a son of the Most High God. What does that stir up in you? What does that encourage you to? What does that draw you to? You know, the Lord's kindness leads us to repentance, right? And it's his grace that allows us to be adopted into his family. So I just want to encourage you, what is that choice that we're going to make each day? Is our choice going to be to continue to be connected in more depth with the Lord and listening to his spirit? Um, because, you know, if we don't, we don't. And his desire would be that we partner with him in those ways that we are a full-fledged member of his family. And part of that is that, you know, when you get up in the morning, you know, I always love it when, when kids get up in the morning and they want to say hi and they're excited and, you know, they just give you a hug in the morning. It's such a beautiful thing, right? And, and I truly believe that the Lord, it's one of those things that delights him, right? He delights when we turn our affection, when we turn our gaze to him. So I just want to encourage you all, you're invited in. Your access to the king is the same as mine. It's the same as each and every one of us. So we all have that access to our Heavenly Father. So thank you, Lord. Um, just going to pray, and then uh, Pastor Lily is going to transition us out. But Father, we just, we thank you so much. We thank you for that place of sonship that you've given us. We thank you for that adoption. Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross. And Lord, we ask just for, for those who may still feel those little bits of binds and those little bits of ties uh, of, of little aspects of slavery to this world, Lord, in your name, we ask that you would break those things off, that the fullness of sonship would be realized and walked out because of your glory and because of your grace that you've just poured out. So, Father, we thank you so much and we give you all the glory. Amen.